Welcome to The Voice of Insurance. I'm Mark Gagan. This week saw the launch of the World Economic Forum's annual Global Risk Report at a big set-piece media event in London. The World Economic Forum is the organisation that brings together global political leaders, company CEOs, think tanks, non-governmental organisations and, of course, the media for a major gathering in the ski resort of Davos, ski resort of Davos in Switzerland at the end of January every year. The risk report is usually released the week ahead of the summit. MMC has been one of the risk report's long-standing sponsors, and I was lucky enough to catch up with John Drizak, who's chairman of Marshall McLennan Insights, for a chat. As I said, it was a big media event full of TV and international press, but I managed to grab 10 minutes with John in the room after the event. I started by asking John for a really brief explanation of Marsh and McLennan Insights. Sure. So um, Marshall McLennan Insights is um, a research center within uh, Marshall McLennan Companies, uh, which focuses on uh, major issues connected to our uh, businesses, which focus on risk, strategy, uh, and people. And so uh, a big focus for us is around uh, the major risks facing the world. And so the Global Risk Report is one of the uh, partners that we have with Marshall McLennan Insights, uh, or is one of the initiatives we have where we partner with the World Economic Forum, and then we have other research partners on other topics and publish material uh, under the Marshall McLennan Insights name. And so, uh, turning to the um, Global Risk Report today, you know, what were the what were the key takeaways? If someone wasn't here today, what would you and you were having to explain to them? You know, what 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 were the key risks uh, that the surveys uh, uncovered this year, and what were different about this year than than other years? What what would you tell them? Sure. So I would say, uh, if you look at the short term uh, risks that were highlighted in the report, they were in the geopolitical sphere. So expectations for greater economic confrontations between major countries, as well as greater domestic political polarization. And so concerns mainly in that sphere. In the longer term segment, though, a striking aspect of this year's report is that all of the top five risks uh, were in the in environment sphere. So ranging from extreme weather to adaptation to climate change to biodiversity loss. And really, that was that was quite striking. I've been doing the report for 15 years, and this is really the first time you've seen uh, all of the long-term risks in the same category. Uh, so, as as as, as uh, you know, the global insurance broker, surely uh, more risk is is a good thing. Is it? Is that how you see it? Well, risk is uh, our business. So, uh, you know, we advise our our clients on risk. We we transfer and broker risk. So, I think uh, there is opportunity for us in that. Obviously, we're we're working with our clients to help them mitigate their risk. So, it's. Uh, uh, but but yes, it does create demand for advice and solutions. So I mean, the rising star, if if if, if that's probably not the right way of describing it, of of of, of, of this report as opposed to other reports, has been uh, climate risk and environmental risk in general. So what are the what are the prime um, insurance solutions that uh, you can be bringing to bear uh, to help um, uh, mitigate those risks? Yeah, well, I think there's there's insurance, and then there is uh, some that I would say are more advisory solutions that we can bring. But I think, you know, insurance, um, uh, you know, the principal line of insurance that deals with climate-related risks is obviously in property insurance. And so there's different, uh, you know, looking at extreme weather and how that could basically 
have an impact uh, in property markets and uh, both you know near term and longer term uh, does create uh, you know a, a significant one of the most significant insurance markets that's out there and I think it's changing uh, it's a moving target to price this risk now because of the changes in climate so real challenge uh, for our clients to find the right type of uh, capacity I think there's also liability risks that are probably the new area uh, in climate where companies could potentially be exposed to liability claims for their action or inaction on climate. And this is relatively new, uh, but it could be it's a growing concern, you know, that uh, you could have claims on DNO policies and other types of, uh, you know, liability areas that could relate to climate. Um, you mentioned also about um, um, new insurance instruments that you might be bringing to bear. Can you give us a bit more detail about some of those um, uh, to, to help cover some of these environmental risks? Sure. Well, I mean, one of the areas that I think is 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 very interesting is around uh, help working with the public sector to transfer uh, some of the risks related to natural disasters into the private sector to enable more rapid response at a post-disaster event for uh, communities. And so uh, there are a number of different vehicles that have been established. I mean, there's a, uh, uh, one called Seadrift uh, in Asia, which is more disaster risk financing vehicle where there's a, it's a public-private sector collaboration. Uh, there's also other more straight uh, reinsurance transfers from government uh, flood insurance vehicles uh, into the reinsurance markets. But I think this should be an area of of growth because it provides more immediate liquidity in response to an event, and therefore there's opportunity for innovation and new types of vehicles uh, in this area. Something you touched upon today was uh, the uh, regulatory response. This is for financial regulators uh, looking increasingly at um, financial institutions and, and other companies' exposure to climate risk uh, and the way that they're dealing with it on uh, both sides on the risk and also on the investment side of the balance sheet. You also mentioned about BlackRock now joining in uh, with the, the kind of greening of uh, investment. Uh, and uh, the insurance industry, for example, has uh, taken a stand recently on coal uh, and other carbon-related industries. I mean, how long do you think, um, and uh, as a global insurance broker, how long do you think if you've got before risks like coal are uninsurable, or also t what are you going to do about that with, with coal-related or car carbon-heavy clients? Yeah, well, uh, you know, coming back to just comment on your Bank of England point, I, mean, I think that is a, a, s a step toward uh, requiring greater disclosure from the financial sector around their climate risks and therefore and the modeling of some of the risks in the non-financial corporate sector. I think we'll see more and more uh, disclosure uh, requirements and companies doing it on a voluntary basis. And it's a kind of nudge, isn't it? And you also mentioned um, reg um, uh, rating agencies, so it's the Standard right. Poor's and AMBS and They're others. They're starting to use climate uh, in their risk assessments uh, for for companies. So as you know that you're you're going to be evaluated by regulators and rating agencies, and you're going to have to disclose certain uh, information to them, you're going to want to get ahead of that and proactively do that risk modeling and sort of know what it's all going to say. Uh, and so you can start to manage your business uh, uh, more proactively in, in a direction that's going to be positive for those constituents. Is the corollary of that that some of these carbon-heavy industries are actually going to become in uninsurable? I think you could find uh, they'll, they may, I, I don't know if they'll be strictly uninsurable, but more and more challenges in finding capacity because you have had insurers that have withdrawn. I think you could also find it in financing markets because, you know, if you think about the Bank of England and the extension into banks elsewhere, that they're looking at credit portfolios and looking at the risk that uh, banks have from lending to entities that could 
uh, face challenges under certain climate change scenarios. So it might be harder and harder for companies uh, in certain industries to get credit as well, as well as insurance. And so I think the pressure that's coming from the regulatory community could uh, create greater and greater challenges in those segments. Uh, something, um, obviously, environmental risks really took center stage today, but um, a risk that certainly didn't go away, and it still appeared in the, in, 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 in the top rankings, was, was cyber risk. Um, can you give us an update on the developments in uh, increasing capacity for, for cyber risk um, and, and what, you know, what you've been able to do with that? Sure. Well, cyber is still the number one risk as perceived by the uh, business leaders in advanced economies. So although climate was the centerpiece of this report, when you look at it from a broader societal basis in the business community, cyber uh, and its uh, downstream impact is still the number one uh, concern. And so in terms of uh, the development of the risk, I mean, it's, a, uh, it's one where you know, it's obviously it's a very dynamic risk uh, uh, from insurance market perspective. There's there's more capacity out there now to uh, um, uh, that's being built for uh, for individual companies. There probably still isn't enough for some companies in terms of what they'd like to have. But the market continues to grow. It's growing particularly outside the U.S., where it's a relatively new market in some countries, but also uh, in its more developed countries, it's growing not only the third-party risk, which is more the kind of data breach-oriented cyber, but also in the first-party kind of uh, property damage, business interruption, and other types of risk that stem from direct attacks on uh, on company property and infrastructure. So I think uh, you're seeing the market. It's a very dynamic market. It's, it's one of the fastest-growing markets uh, in insurance and one that I think we expect will continue to grow. Um, to listeners who are just uh, thinking about downloading this report, how should they read it? Um, should it is is it fair? I mean, cynics might say that it's um, the sort of it's a report that tells you about what people were worried about last year. Is that is that fair, or should you use some of that? You know, how should they go about reading and and understanding the insights that they can get from this report? I, th I think the report. Uh, one of the things we've tried to do is try to divide the short term and long term more explicitly, so that um, we're anticipating that the survey respondents were asking them to look at what they think is the risk on a 10-year horizon. We may see what's happening on a 3 to 5 rather than a 10, but I don't think it's really looking at just in, uh, in the rearview mirror because I think when people think about climate, it's uh, which you know is the centerpiece of this year's report, is really thinking, I think it is a forward-looking concern that this risk could accelerate and that it's a it's it's a situation that's bad, but it's getting worse, and all indicators are pointing to it getting you know worse as we go forward, and that uh, people are projecting out beyond the immediate environment, and saying the reason this risk is the top risk and concern on a 10-year horizon is because in 10 years we could be in a very different and very challenging spot if we don't start to act now. And what would be a call to action to your clients um, uh, in a, uh, coming out of this report? What you know what, what would you highlight to them most? What do they really need to be doing? I think uh, let's focus on climate, then I'll comment on some other risks. But in climate, I think it's really understanding the risk as it faces their company. I mean, it, it, it does hit different companies differently. And I think their tools are available to quantify it. Uh, uh, and in part, they've been developed in response to some of the growing disclosure requirements. But I think there are advanced modeling tools, better data, better projections uh, of climate that can be used to get to a number. And I think most companies will be surprised by the exposure they have to climate risk if they actually go through that analysis. So I, and then 
the better understanding and measurement of the risk, I think, can lead to better management. So I'd say as a first step, the risk quantification, and then after that, kind of looking at risk plans and are they sufficient, and then looking at where there may be growth opportunities uh, for the company. Thank you very much for your time today. Thank you very okay. much. Okay, no, thank you. Enjoyed it. The Voice of Insurance is produced by me, Mark Gagan. Music was written by Anna Gagan and produced by Carlos Gagan. Check out more podcasts and written comment pieces at www.thevoiceofinsurance.com. Thanks for listening.